Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. I believe this is a real strategic series that we're in. We are moving into the new year. Uh, this is part two, so I'm just going to jump right in, and we're going to get rolling. A uh, little review from last week. The First Chronicles is where we're at. Ezra wrote this book, and uh, back then they were rebuilding the temple, and a lot of stuff was being restored. A lot of ground was being taken back. A lot of area was being expanded. That's what we're talking about. And so Judah begins this book in chapter 1 with, with a genealogy all the way through chapter 9. It's the longest genealogy in the Bible. There's over 500 names in it, or 500. It goes from Adam all the way to David's grandchildren. So that's quite a span of years. And in this genealogy, you've got these big hitters like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Solomon, David. I mean, big hitters, yet they're, they're not elaborated on at all. The only person that's Pulled out, of, uh, out from behind the shadows of these, of these big hitters is this guy named Jabez. So it's interesting because on chapter 4, right smack dab in the middle of this 3,000-year genealogy, Ezra stops everything and says, hey, wait a minute. This guy Jabez, i got to tell you about him. And he's the only one that he starts talking about. That's pretty amazing to me. I hope it is to you. And there's a reason why he did that. Because Jabez, I believe God highlighted him because of what he did, and he wants us to know this is what you and I should be doing. He called on God. He asked for God's blessing. He asked that God's ability would be enlarged in him, that he would be able to do great things in God. And that is exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you to trust him, to lean into him, to believe him for great things on this earth, to believe him to move powerfully through your life, and to not minimize God's hand on your life in any way, shape, or form, but to, but to put a demand on God, on heaven, so that you will be positioned for greatness. Do you believe that? Well, you might be saying, well, I don't know. Does God want me to be, to be great? Of course he does. Do you know what Jesus said? He says, if any of you want to be great, in other words, it's not bad to be great. He calls us to pursue greatness. He just says, there's a pathway to get there. Be a servant. That's what he said. And he says, move in that direction. Trust God. Call upon him. And so this is why it's so amazing. He says, we got to stop and talk about this guy. And so I'll read through and, and we'll see what he said here. He says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, he says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Right? He stopped. He says, it's good to be honorable, but this guy was more honorable. Why? Because this is what he did. Well, his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. But we know, as we talked about last week, God is here to change destinies. And Jabez says, my life will not be about pain. It will be about something greater. And so he called on God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him his request. Isn't that beautiful? You know, when you call on God, he always grants your request. He always answers in some way. So here's the second part of this. Last week we talked about a lot about God's blessing, his divine enablement. 
Well, this week, we're going to move on beyond that. We'll put the point up there. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That's where we're moving, enlarging my territory. God wants to enlarge the space that he wants you to occupy in the days ahead. So what is your territory? Well, what are you asking God to enlarge when we talk about territory? I'm going to tell you what your territory is. It's where you go. It's what you do. That's your territory. Everything you do and everywhere you go, that's where you live. You live, that's your territory. Where you work, that's your territory. Where you serve, that's your territory. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you're homeschooling kids, that's your territory. If you are uh, singing on the worship team, that's your territory. If you're working with kids and serving kids and teaching kids, that's your territory. If you're a business owner, that's your territory. If you are employed, that's your territory where you work. This is what you're doing. This is the, and what we're saying is, I want to be the best homeschool mom I can possibly be because I'm raising my future leaders. I want to be the best person on the worship team possible. I want to expand my ability and all of that. I want to be the best teacher in children's ministries. I want to be the best wife, the best mom, the best husband. If you're serving at the thrift store, I want to be the best thrifter there is. I want to be all of that and more. If I want to be the best neighbor where I live that I can be. I want to be, I want God to enlarge my territory there. So your territory could also, well, it is defined, especially where you're serving and giving your life away for God. That just doesn't have to be in church, but that's wherever you're at in the community. Now, what you are saying then is, oh, that you would bless me. We talked about this divine enablement that you and I need, and that we need, we, that's why it's an unselfish prayer. You need God's blessing, okay? And now we're talking about this um, enlarging our territory, which really has to do with divine direction. Divine direction. It's everywhere you go and everything that you do. It's who who God wants you to minister to in the arena that you're in. Uh, now, most of us would think, when we think of our territory and the way God wants to use us, we have a specific formula and, uh, or an, a, an equation. But I, 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 I wouldn't say it's the wrong formula or the wrong equation that we use when we minister. Uh, we teach this a lot. Actually, we reinforce this in our Ascent series that's coming up. I believe... It's, um, it's lacking. It's incomplete. Let's put it that way. Because this is the equation that a lot of us use, and we've, we've taught this. My abilities, that's important, plus my training, got to have that, plus my experience and my past. All of that together kind of forms, in a sense, of how you're going to minister. Do you agree with that? That does help. I mean, our past... Yeah, you want to forget the bad parts of your past. You don't want that to shape you negatively, but God does use our past. So you take all of that together, and somehow uh, we can influence through that, and we can serve God better through that. But let me give you a better equation, okay? This is a better equation, I think, that we need to do when we're figuring out our territory and what God wants us to do. All that stuff I mentioned is good, but we need to add to it our willingness plus God's supernatural power equals my territory. Uh, do you like that better? You know, you know why I think that's really good? I, I have met people and I've read stories of incredible missionaries that really didn't have a whole lot going for them. I just read a book on Amy, I think it was A.L., I can't remember her last name, 
Uh, she got kicked out of the missionary school. She, she would, they wouldn't send her because her grades weren't good enough. But she knew God called her to China back in 1930s. You know what? She rocked her world. She was willing, and she made her way over there. And it's a massive story. It's full of miracles. And what she did for God in China, she left a footprint that was massive. And when she came home from China one day before she died, basically of just depleting her whole life, she was speaking, and they're writing books about her, and they were doing interviews because of what she accomplished. Her willingness plus God's power. You see that through a lot of people. Uh, just, they, you know, they just didn't have all the gifts and the abilities, but man, were they willing, and God did powerful things. That's why I think everything else that I talked about, plus God's willingness and his, your willingness and God's power, get ready for him to rock your world. Because uh, uh, let me just... Let me just give you a scripture verse on this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Let's put it up here. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. This is a powerful verse. It is God who works in you. Now, I want, I want to talk to you about that because people say, well, I know God wants to work through me. So let's analyze that statement just for a moment. Let's, let's drill into this just for a moment. So if God is working in me, so, so who does the work? Well, God is. God is going to do the work. God does the work in us, the Bible says. So I, I know God wants to work through me. I get that. So if that's the case, then who's doing the work? God is. We all agree about that, hopefully. Uh, so the through me really isn't the big problem. Uh, it's, it's not even that much of a problem, really. God, God wants to work through me. I think we get that. It is God who's going to be doing the work. It's God's ability. God wants to enlarge your territory so that he can enlarge his kingdom and his influence. I think we understand that somehow. Now, we all, I don't know if we all live in Palmer, but we're here in Palmer. The church is in Palmer. And God wants to enlarge our territory here, the place where we live. He wants to have my ministry and your ministry and your life and influence expand to yours and my neighbors. That's what he wants to do. Why? Because when he enlarges our territory, when he enlarges your territory, he enlarges the kingdom. But he does it through you and I. That's how he does it. He enlarges the kingdom. Uh, and, and when God enlarges Church on the Rock and Palmer, he enlarges the kingdom. We're all part of that process. And when God enlarges you, when you are at work, and some guy comes to you and says in one way or another that he's having problems in his marriage, and then you start talking to him about how God can help him and help his marriage, then he, God has just enlarged his territory in that situation. Something happened. What, what I'm saying is your influence grows. God wants to enlarge it for the kingdom's sake. People come here at Church on the Rock all the time because someone made contact with them in some way, shape, or form, and in the conversation, an invitation was given, and bam, here they are, or here you are. That happens because God is enlarging your territory. He is enlarging your ministry opportunities. Anytime someone outside the church opens up to you and starts talking to you and telling you about their issues uh, or what they're going through, your territory gets larger. Something happens. God, God wants... 
God I really wants to bless you. He wants to bless me, and he wants to enlarge our territory. Now, Jabez, as I said last week, this is really important, this prayer. It's not a magical formula. It's not. Um, it's something, obviously, that God does, as I said, in us and through us, but it's not a magical formula. God always works through processes. I'll put this up there. The journey God takes us on will always involve character development so we can sustain and build on what God has accomplished. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Now, I've discovered that when you're praying for God's blessing and for him to enlarge your territory, often for that next step of expansion to happen in our lives, it often doesn't come real easy. It's just not, well, here we go. Here it is. Bam. Tomorrow, all of a sudden, all this stuff begins to happen. There's usually this process God takes us through, and the process begins, and the journey begins. And we, as we pray, God says, good, you're calling on me for my blessing and for me to do something in you, so we're going to start that process, and I'm going to you're going to see this begin to happen as you partner with, with me, God says. For expansion and growth to happen, it does take time. Some, some things uh, that have to do with the blessing of God on our lives will not come until, until there comes growth. Not because God is saying you can't have it until you earn it. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is you can't experience it until you're capable of handling it. That's huge. That's why this fasting and prayer, uh, if you're jumping in in any way you can and entering into the spirit of this, God begins to do something deeper in our life by his spirit. Our roots begin to go a little deeper as we press into him. He begins to reveal things in our hearts that need to be dealt with. He begins to the process, and that's not always easy, but God does not and will never sidestep character development when he's taking us to larger territory of influence and provision and responsibility. He'll never sidestep character development. Have you ever noticed that? Yep. You know, if a two-year-old comes up to her daddy in her uh, immature, broken English way and says, Daddy, I need a bike, daddy will say, oh, I'll get you a bike when you're seven. Right now, you're going to have a tricycle. You're on three wheels. You can't handle two wheels at this time. It's going to take some growth and some maturity and some coordination and all that stuff before you can get on two wheels, right? The, there, there's a growth steps that we need to take in our lives for our borders to be enlarged. And that takes time. When we were in California a few weeks back, uh, we were <clears throat> all of our granddaughters were together and they come rumbling into the house like a, like a pack, you know, and they're like, <laughs> and the youngest is Melody, and she, uh, they were all together in one house, and all their bikes were there, and, and her bike still had training wheels, and she had not quite crossed that bridge, but boy, she really wanted to. And they came in, and they surrounded me and says, Grandpa, are you going to teach Melody how to ride her bike? I says, you darn right we're going to. So we went out in the garage, I ripped those training wheels off, and we got her going. And we got, I tell you what, it wasn't the very next day she was out there riding her two-wheeler. And she was excited about it. But what was so exciting about that, instead of watching her go in circles on these training wheels on this driveway, after that, the next day, she was following the rest of the girls down the road, going where she couldn't go before because her territory just got enlarged because she took that step. Did she get a little banged up doing it? 
her shins and different things and fall down. Of course she did. But she pressed through and she grew into that place. And that's what God does for us. You know, childbirth never happens without travail. Preceding the travail is there's a stretching and there's a growth of the child in the womb and there's some discomfort in that. But at the same time, there's this joy of the birth of a child. But the same is true in the things of our life. There, there's, there's not going to be a birthing without there being the process of a movement toward including some travail. That's the struggle we're talking about. The woman's struggle in maturity ward is not the production of a baby. She doesn't produce the baby. She delivers the baby. The baby was this miracle provision of God that was set forth or set in order by uh, the whole biological and spiritual process of our being. But there is this issue of carrying the child and travail. And that's the struggle that I'm talking about this morning. So what I'm saying is there's... Uh, this blessing that God wants to do in our life, birthing, that he wants to birth in your life, there's the birthing process. It does not happen without the travail. That's the real struggle. Victory is never realized without the struggle. And that struggle could be the struggle of growth and the struggle of birth. But there's also the struggle of changes. When you go to a larger space, territory, there will be change. When we ask for God's blessing and enlargement in that area of our life, then we are asking for change, aren't we? How many of you, honestly, when the Lord begins to work change in you, you're just so happy and so flexible and so willing to go through the whole contorted process? Mm -hmm. We get really excited about change until it begins to happen becomes a reality. Then we're like, ah, I don't know about this. Why? Because there, it's a struggle because you're taking, going into a place you've never been before. It's unfamiliar. It makes us a little uncomfortable. It kind of magnifies our inadequacies and our fears and all those things that we have to deal with. Never been there before. I don't know if I'm ready for this. You know, when you first get married and, or you, you're going to start a family or you start a new job, become empty nesters, or you jump into a ministry you've never been in, or you're challenged to do ministry in a different way, or life in a different way, the way you've never done it before. That could be some of the biggest struggles for us. You're in your challenge to do church and experience church like you've never done it before. Well, we've always done it this way. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, it's time for some new wineskins so I can put new wine and new oil in it. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for the stretch? Are you ready for the travail so that God can take you to a new place and take us corporately even to a new place? It's, it, with each step and with each phase, we're asking God, enlarge my territory. And it, it goes, you're, you're going to uh, transition. He's transitioning us to a greater place that he has for us. That's exactly what's happening. Change is a transition, but with transition comes transformation. And that happens in our own lives. So again, we can handle what he's called us to transition into. Usually involves growth and involves birth, something new. And that's the struggle. And through this process, there ultimately comes this new season, this new chapter, when the struggle is finally over and you realize, I am in a new place. 
God has enlarged something. I've finally stepped into it. Wow. You know, it's a picture of war. War is essentially has to do with issues and territory. That's, that's what life's about, issues and territory. There are things that are happening that we need to possess. Now, in Jabez's case, he's saying, would you enlarge my territory? Now, that's to expand and to recover. And, and, and Jabez was actually apparently dealing with both of these issues at the time when the temple was being rebuilt and all things were happening around him. There was territory that was taken that's now being recovered as well as expanded. It's a recovering that which was lost. What, what's interesting about Israel, if you look at their history, they, they never really fully possessed the fullest dimensions of the prophesied boundaries in the promised land. That they were, they fell short. Uh, isn't that just like human nature? I mean, God always has more for us, yet we don't always go after it. We don't always possess it. Uh, you can read early on in the book of Judges where Joshua dies and, and they still had much more land to possess. And they hadn't possessed all the land that the Lord had for them. They fell short of it. You know, as we fast and as we pray, as we move through this month, I'm telling you, I am praying for Church on the Rock, myself, for you, that we will reach our fullest dimension, our fullest fulfillment in 2023 and not fall short of it. You know, at the best dimensions of our boundaries, the Lord is always going to have more for us. Do you believe that? Very, very few people have really reached their full potential in God in their life. God is eternal. You really can't exhaust and fully spend everything that he has for you because he always has more. That's how amazing and good and powerful God is. If you excel in all the opportunities that God has for you, I believe that he'll just keep expanding for you. That's just what God does. He's so good and powerful, and he just he says, you think you can do more? Okay, here. You've exceeded that? Okay, let's go for another place. And God will just keep it going. Go as far as you can go. That's, I tell you, there's nothing boring about following God. I was thinking about this week. This week I thought, man, I've followed the Lord now for 41 years. Whew, I am getting mature. I'm not going to say that. But in the process, I've always discovered that there's always more. I've discovered that serving God is anything but tedious. There is this constant expansion of the possibility of God's work in each one of our lives. I don't care if you're 80-something years old and you're still breathing and you love the Lord and you're bored with a capital B. He'll have something more for you if you seek him and call on him. He will. He'll lay it out and say, okay, let's go. Let's run hard. Let's run through the finish line. Let's, let's do it. You know, I was... It begins with prayer, though. It begins with seeking and pressing into what God has for you. Enlarge my borders, O oh God. Now, what do you need enlarged in your life? What do you need actually even to be recovered from? Because I believe there's some here today that things have been pinched off and restricted and hindered in your life. Things that maybe have been lost or taken or stolen or destroyed, they become weak, diminished, neglected. Maybe you didn't take God real seriously for a season or just coming back to him or made some really poor choices and mistakes. I, I was reading through the second chapter of Joel and 
It's interesting because towards the end of that chapter, God says, I'm going to restore that which the locusts and the cankerworm have devoured. And there may be some here today that's happened to your life. Because of choices, there's things that have been devoured and eaten up in your life, and you're thinking, man, I need that restored. And God does that. Because Joel chapter 2 starts out with this. He, there was a call to Israel to repent, a call to return to God, to consecrate a fast of all things, and call a sacred assembly and gather the people together. And then this says, the Lord will answer and he'll say to his people, behold, I will send you new grain, new wine, new oil, and you will be satisfied. And the Lord will answer his people and he will say, behold, I'm sending you the trees that will bear fruit yield, the vine will yield its strength, and I will send rain, which is a symbol of refreshing. And then in verse 25 of Joel chapter 2, we'll put it up here. It says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. And maybe that's you're here today, that you're believing God to restore that which was taken, which the enemy stole. During those years or maybe you were wandering or whatever circumstances and things have been pinched off or neglected. You believe God can restore that? Not only does he want to restore it, but he wants to take you to a larger place. Because here's the third part of this. <clears throat> he says, oh, that your hand would be on me. Oh, that your hand would... There's a dependence part of this prayer. See, what happens is you begin to ask God's blessing, that divine enablement, enlarging your territory, that direction to go forward, and he starts doing it, and he will do it. I will remind you that um, God does not, if God's not blessing us, if he's not with, with us, then we're in trouble. That's why last week I really emphasized this is not a selfish prayer. This is something he calls us to. This is something I believe, let me tell you, God, you need God. You need to depend on God. God wants you to depend on him. He wants you to ask him. You have not because we ask not. He wants to enlarge your ministry and his ability in, through you. And, and I believe that this, this is so important to have a demand on your life because it, it will move you to a place of ultimate radical dependence upon God. He says, oh, this. He prayed, oh, that your hand needs to be on me. I'll have the worship team come out as we wrap this up. But this is, this is really a really important part here. He said, I need your hand on me, God. I, I need, what is he saying there? Is he saying, I, I need your anointing. I need your empowerment. So we go from this divine enablement to a divine direction to this divine anointing. This, this, God, I need your anointing, your empowerment. It's, it's a good thing, as I said, to have demands on your life because it reminds you of how much you need God's hand on your life. You need God's hand on your life today for what you're going through and what you want him to do and what you're believing him for. Oh, you need his blessing because without it, without it, it's not going to happen. Let me give you a powerful verse out of Acts chapter 11, verse 21. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with me, or with them. And a great 
number believed and turned to the Lord. Isn't that a powerful verse? Because the hand of the Lord was on the early church and what they were going through. There was great expansion. Souls were being saved. There was great people coming in and coming at them. And so they, they were like, oh God, thank God your hand's on us because they could handle it. It's amazing. If you begin to receive, when you begin, I'm going to say when you begin to receive God's blessing in a new dimension and <clears throat> new territory begins to open up in what you felt like he's called you to, you're going to need his power on your life. You're going to need God's enablement. You're going to need that. Because you begin to pray that prayer and he answers and all of a sudden you got more people coming to you or you got more demands. You're going to get desperate. Oh God, this is really happening. Okay, I need your hand on me, Lord. I need you to enable me. You know, if you put a basketball in my hand, believe me, you do not want me on your basketball team. <laughs> I am, never was a basketball player. You know, I get pressure on me and stress and I throw the ball and I don't hit anything. Not even the backboard. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. So I'd say that basketball is worth 20 bucks or so in my hands. But you put that basketball in the hand of Michael Jordan? One day, once it used to be worth about $33 million. And they're praying. You know why? Because it depends on whose hands it's in. Right? Michael Jordan. He said, God, I need your hand. I need your hand on me. your hand with me. See, you, know, you may not realize how much you are worth or how much you think you're worth when God's hand is on you. You can't even put an amount on that. You can't put a, you can't register a power on that. You have Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the ancient of days, from everlasting to everlasting. Jehovah, Yahweh, the King of glory, your Father. When he places his hand on his sons and daughters, when they're trusting him for great things, watch out. You are more worth more than you can't put a price on it. It's powerful what God's going to do in the days ahead. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.